welcome once again to the How Long to Beat podcast. Uh, as always, alongside Alex. Hello. And Paula. Hello. Uh, I am Rick. We are your podcast hosts. And these are going to be the games we're talking about. We've got games we've beaten, games we've retired, games we've been playing, and importantly, demos we've been playing. So um, when this comes out, it'll have been about a week ago, but Steam Next Fest just happened for us. Um, and we've got some demos to talk about. Uh, Ten in total, by the looks of it. I don't think there's any overlap, which is cool, because it means we're going to have um, even more ground covered. And we're going to finish off with one final game, uh, that being the subject of this week's edition of How, How Long, to, long be to Beat the, the Game. game. Um, I am going to jump... In fact, no, Alex, if you jump in first for Beaten because then I'll, I'll break you up as we go through. Uh, tell us about melatonin. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, it's pretty quick. Like they're, they're, it, It's fairly short. Um, maybe a little too short for some. For me, I felt kind of like just the right amount. Um, it does make me realize like how complex these sort of rhythm games end up being um, and how like there's just... There's only so much you can do in them, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, And I think it just... It, cause first off, it's not very expensive in general. And I'm pretty sure, like, because I think, because I didn't buy this one, obviously, because was, I was gifted it. But, like, I think this one goes on sale pretty regularly. Um, and it's already a budget title. So, um, I, like, I would probably pick this up full price anyway. Um, because I just think that the art style and, like, the, the animation is so beautiful. Um, that, like, yeah, like, right now, like, um, on, um, uh, what was it? Like in Canada, it's twenty bucks, but it's usually around seventeen ish or so. Like it's typically on sale, um, and that's very cheap. Like you're, you know, I'm sure it's only around like twelve, thirteen pounds or something, maybe. Like I would imagine. Yeah, I wouldn't say regularly on sale over here, but I picked it up on sale on Switch for about a tenner, which yeah. I, I think I concur with you. I think at full price, it's probably a fair cut for what you're getting. It's what five worlds total, so about twenty five stages. Oh, five worlds? No, it's not five worlds. Um, it's like, it's like three or four, I think. It's not five. Yeah. Oh shit! No, it's short. I mean, that's even less content than I expected. It's like fifteen or so worlds, something like that. Something, that's three, four tops. Then that's yeah. Christ, I might jump back in and just finish. I was going to say, dude, short. you can finish it. It's really short. My God. Yeah, like you can yeah. really finish it quickly. And I'm not. I don't get obsessive over like you know really completing the the levels intensely so like i beat it pretty fast and like was i you know super good at it no but like i had a lot of fun um mm. so yeah super super recommend really easy to get into um and beat uh awesome on the steam deck um i'm sure it's great on switch as well like it seems to me yeah that this is not a game that i would recommend playing on your pc i really think you should play it on a handheld of some kind because you're gonna want to have headphones on anyway um because it's just going to sound better and then also it just feels better with buttons than with uh the keyboard you know it's just yeah. i think it always depends with rhythm games because i remember not so long ago playing rhythm spout on switch and wishing i hadn't because rhythm spouts inputs required more of you than the yeah. switch could necessarily give this is one button plus a couple of other buttons i think you said it's later on maps. but like it's simple inputs, yeah. and it's not asking for you to to hit precise things in really rapid succession. It's more like a call and response thing. So I, exactly. I think I concur with that. I think it's nice handheld. 
Yeah, it's really good handheld. It's like you're going to use the A button and the L and R buttons. And those are all the buttons you'll use. Okay. And so it just feels, it's very Rhythm Heaven-y in that way. Um, obviously, Rhythm Heaven has um, even fewer inputs usually. <laughs> mm. um, but uh, I think it's just perfect for, um, uh, yeah. That's it, actually. It's, it's, it's perfect for handouts. <laughs> I got nothing else. <laughs> It's not a game with loads to say. Yeah, about. there's just, you know I what I mean? Yeah, there's fair. not like a ton, a ton of stuff to say on it. It's like, it's a really pretty rhythm game with excellent hand-drawn animation um, and beautiful music. What more could you ask for? <laughs> mm. uh, what about you though, Rick? What do you, uh, you, you beat a, you beat a number. Th- oh, tell me about Smile for me, actually. I'm curious to see what you think. Yeah. <laughs> Let, let's take these out of order with, with that in mind in that case. Because I finished Smile for me last night as we nice. record. I mean, this game was pretty insipid as far as I was concerned. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't all that impressed. I, it's by no means bad. Um, it, it's a roughly two-hour-long fetch quest come adventure game with some, it should be said, interesting mechanics within that. Personal highlights include the pocket mirror inventory item that you use to solve a puzzle, I thought that was quite creative. I liked in general that it wasn't a case of select inventory item, put inventory item in, you know, correctly shaped hole. There was a a degree of thought that went into what you were doing and how you were doing it. And some of the characters were quite fun, some less so, but some of them were quite fun. Some of the solutions were a bit moon logic-y for my liking. And I thought the overarching story was kind of shit. Well, yeah, there's there's Which barely is... even an overarching story, right? Like, it's, yeah. I mean, if, if you're going to play Smile with me, maybe skip the next 30 seconds. But to sum the plot up in a sentence, uh, a young boy got jealous of people's teeth, grew up to become a dentist, and then started an insane asylum um, to make people happy by giving them all of the teeth. That's the story in a nutshell. And your florist's child who turns up for some reason to fix things because of course this dentist has a fixation with a very particular flower which you present to him in order to get the good ending didn't really work for me on the whole and it's short enough that it doesn't particularly matter i mean i clocked in 145 yeah give or take and that was i think as it was the case for yourself alex searching a couple of puzzle solutions because i wasn't necessarily hmm. there for all of that Another one I want to shout out, actually, now that I think about the puzzles, there's uh, there's an item that you pick up, which is a translator. <laughs> and there's a very particular, you, you know what I'm talking about already. Do, there's yeah. a very particular character whose text comes out strangely, and you have to select the inventory item and hold it over her text bubble. There are, there are quite a few sort of meta elements to the game in that sense where it plays with the fact that you are inhabiting a... a an external observer of a video game without necessarily sort of shouting out that it's breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. But the, the highs were mid and the lows were low. And so on the whole, it wasn't a fantastic experience. Lovely visuals, um, some fantastic music. The Mm, whole thing is it comes together. Not so much. Glad I played it though. I it's a nice 
shortish one to have knocked out and one that probably would have languished in my library forever if it weren't for fitting in with with this whole thing but well, not one that, that i would necessarily sing the praises of particularly yeah i mean it's like it's it's one of those games that's like i don't disagree with anything you said <laughs> you know what i mean but it's so short and it's so like it's so kind of quirky that like i don't know why but i feel like i can just give it more of a pass you know what i mean like it's like there's parts of it where i'm just like oh yeah absolutely there's a lot of stuff that just i don't think like holds up enough like um like you said some of the solutions are just moon logic-y and stuff and um but because i could just sort of look it up quickly and i knew it wasn't like some long complicated way to get through it i was like mm, that's fine i think if this game were any longer than it is i i think those it, like those big lows would probably have pulled it down a lot more for me um otherwise it's sitting in that like 65 to 70 area you know where it's like it's good it's just not like it's not great you know yeah and i don't i don't think that's necessarily unfair i don't necessarily agree with it i think even over that length its problems are, are significant one other thing i'll say because it did kind of prompt me to go back and watch the don't hug me i'm scared videos mm. partially just because my girlfriend had never seen them so that was that was a fun introduction nice. for her but the problem that this game has that those videos don't in terms of building up tension is that the gigs up from the word go it's very clear almost immediately that this is leaning onto the sickly side of sweet. The beauty of the, the Don't Hug Me, I'm Stared videos is that it, you can put that video in front of someone and they might legitimately think for a couple of minutes that they're watching some children's ed edutainment thing and slowly the horror creeps in uh, and the unsettling elements start to filter their way through. That's not a luxury that Smile For Me has. And I think that's part of why on the whole, the unsettling horror-esque elements fall very flat i think if this game had been played to be more quirky rather than having this horror angle that would have benefited the game and the story as a whole more it's yeah. not so much in the scheme of things it doesn't necessarily matter but that that's a view that i hold on it no i i see what you mean and i mean i think what makes don't hug me i'm scared also effective is the fact that um like even even though we all know the jig is up with it, right? Like they still manage to maintain a level of like what the fuck's going on and kind of bring you sort of surprises and whatnot. Um, I think part of the problem with this one is just like the fact that the player, it's almost like you would have to railroad the experience a lot more, you know, to like build up that tension, um, which I don't know if that would sort of be as effective I don't know. It's weird. I've never really played anything that I think actually effectively does that style of horror. Um, yeah, actually, full stop. I don't think I've ever played anything that's actually managed to do that. I've played games that are scary and done different things, but never that style that they have. I can't even think of anything that's done anything quite like it. There's a couple of itch games I've played that I could not give you the names of off the top of my head. Yeah. But I would say have successfully evoked that kind of horror but you're right it is a difficult one to and i'm assuming those you are do pretty... need to you're pretty short pretty linear experiences you do have to guide the player by hand a little bit to make that kind of horror work and i don't think that would have benefited this game i think no. like i say the other way i think taking that horror element away dispensing with it would have benefited the other aspects of the game more 
Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. on the whole, I think just falls short of fine TM for me. I, I don't think it quite even hits that threshold, really. Yeah, that's fair. But one of those. Second game, which is, in fact, the first one I completed of the, of the completions I've got this week, a game called 2D and Top D. A little bit shorter than I thought it was. I think it ended up around about 85 levels total. And by that 85th level, I was pretty much done with it. I think some of that speaks to me not being a puzzly kind of guy. And this is a puzzle platformer that leans on the puzzle side a little bit more than it does the platformer side. It's smart in that the, the platforming is required to make the puzzle bit work. And there are certain puzzles that you can somewhat sidestep with good enough platforming. On the whole, I mean, the setup is fantastic. It's a really cool, really novel hybrid of top-down 2D and side-scrolling 2D on a single screen with various puzzles. It has lots of different ideas that it introduces over the course of the worlds that keep that formula relatively fresh, including one really interesting dimension-shifting bit for the last few levels. One thing that slightly irked me, there are collectibles that seem to unlock a final bonus section of the game. It's not clear that those are even collectibles until you get to the end of the game. Basically, there are these ladybirds um, that pop up in various levels for you to have obtained by meeting various parameters that are not in any way explained to you. I had to go out of my way to Google it to find out that they were even a thing. And when you get to the end of the game, one of the characters pops up and, and says, so that's the end of the game then? And he said, well, it depends. And then this ladybug counter pops up and I'd gotten maybe an eighth of the total available. And the character looked at the counter, looked back at me and said, yeah, that's it. Which is a little bit of a kick in the teeth. Like I've, I've played all your levels. <laughs> I've finished the game. Don't necessarily mind you getting content, but tell me you're going to do it. And don't belittle me for not reading the tea leaves, as it were. I do have to say as well, I think this game is not necessarily a good value proposition. Now, I accept that, you know, cost per amount of time is not the be all and end all, but it should absolutely be a factor. And this is a pretty expensive game for three hours of gameplay. Some of that being me looking for puzzle solutions I liked it. I didn't love it, ultimately. If the concept sounds appealing, one that's absolutely worth checking out because it does execute on that concept. Overall package, not fantastically strong. Also worth saying, there is a story to it, but A, very, very skippable, um, and B, not fantastically translated. You do get the feeling that some of it was lost in translation, unfortunately, at least on the English side of things. Gameplay stands up on its own. I don't think the story necessarily matters, but it, it is worth mentioning, I think. So that was 2D and Top D. On Switch, I think that's the ideal way to play it. It's also on PC. It's coming to PlayStation platforms. Next, I've got a double header of negative games. So these are both <laughs> games revolving around the idea of saying the word no, neither of which I'd had any intention of playing, both of which ended up on deep, deep discount. Um, the first of those, and the one I liked the least, is Negative Nancy. This is a game I played a demo of, wasn't super enthused by, but 
for the price on Switch, I couldn't not give it a try. The whole idea of the game is you are playing a, a shortish, episodic visual novel from a first-person perspective. Uh, your inputs are as follows. You can move the camera around, you can say nothing, or you can say the word no. And each of these episodes plays out differently depending on which bits you just stay silent for, which bits you say no to. It's episodic format. You play the same character, Nancy, who is a equivalent of a Walmart employee. She works retail. And you end up in various hairy situations. Those episodes can go a variety of different ways depending on where and how you interact. I did not really get on with this game. It is criminally short. There are three episodes plus a, a bonus one, which I think was a, an original concept that the game proper spun out of. Um, if you've got quite a fast reading speed, as I do, you can finish the whole thing in like 40 minutes, by which I mean one run through of each of the scenarios. It's not particularly obvious what you're supposed to do or not do to get where. There's not really a particular reward for doing so beyond seeing those aspects of the story in and of themselves. But because there are no stakes, each episode is, is its own self-contained thing. There's no continuity. There are no stakes. And I didn't find the scenarios or the characters or the writing compelling enough to want to go back, which is damning for a game of this style. That, that's the reason to be. If you're not hitting that, you've got nothing. One one particular highlight was a, a Karen character who came in trying to return a laptop that she tried to use as a sandwich press. That got a chuckle out of me. That's <laughs> got a chuckle out of me right now. <laughs> that's, and that's it. Like that, that concept's goals. That doesn't speak anything to the game proper. Didn't like this one. It's grossly overpriced outside of sale times. They want like the same price as melatonin for this Ooh. game. And it, it just doesn't come anywhere close to justifying that kind of investment even on sale i can't recommend it so the, the price isn't really the be all end all there but it, it's worth saying that they are grossly overcharging for what they've got here me no likey me no likey at all i liked more but did not love the second of these two negative games which is called say no more play this on pc i believe it's on other places uh, you play as an intern who discovers a record, a cassette tape player with a, a motivational guru telling him that he doesn't have to do all the filing or go and get people's complex lunch orders or whatever it is. He's got the power to say no. <laughs> say no and in more. this, oh, okay. in, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Say <laughs> no more. Say no more. It's a clever yeah. title for one. Mm -hmm. The gameplay is quite straightforward. But the game is linear and there are stakes, so it gets away with it. Your character moves on rails. Your only input is saying no, or not saying no, as it were. And the type of no you say, you unlock different no's as you go through. And it's not like a key system. It's not like certain no's are effective against certain enemies. It just gives you a bit of agency to decide how you're going to respond to each character in a slightly different way. The game's written much better. There are lots of fun things where you're encouraged to be careful with just spamming no, tell people to go away because there are some things that actually you do want to listen to and be engaged with. So there's a, a character who 
if you don't blow them off immediately, asks you to take a, a love letter to a different character, and then that character reacts if you recognise that that's the person it's supposed to go to, and don't blast them away with the no. The whole game runs just shy of two hours. It's very creative, very fun. Again, not perfect in its setup, and the execution does grow a little stale. Like it, it, as a concept, both it and Negative Nancy sound fantastic on paper, and they are up to a point. This game does start to run out of steam a little bit towards the end, but it does far more to engage as you go through. Um, it's more reasonably priced even before sale, but it, it got a really heavy discount, which is why I picked it up and gave it a try. And I think I think for a couple of hours, this is a, a fun ride for that time. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. There are lots of things that made me chuckle within this one. Nothing as hard as Karen, but there's there's lots of humor to be had there. And it ends up with a relatively wholesome message. It's just quite a nice package. And, you know, if the concept sounds appealing, probably worth a shot. Uh, the last game I finished, and this is one that's been rumbling for a few weeks, is Forgive Me Father. Hmm. One to stick with from a, a boomer shooter perspective. As your arsenal expanded a little bit, um, and as the enemy variety expanded with it, the game becomes more confident to challenge you, throw more interesting scenarios at you, and you have more things in your toolbox with which to deal with those setups. It's a whole lot of fun. Maybe a little bit long, but really, really good. And I think some of that's down to me. I'm not necessarily a boomer shooter guy. This one definitely pulled me in visually. Um, and once once I got over the initial hump and, and what it did and didn't have and unlocked a few more things, I definitely had a lot of fun, particularly in some of the harder battles towards the end where you really do have to sort of juggle weapons and ammo and prioritize targets. It put me in the same flow state that something like Neon White or Doom or Mirror's Edge did that kind of first person, you're there and your head's going a million miles an hour processing and adapting to all this information. So at its best, it absolutely sort of hits that mark. I don't think it gives you that nearly enough, but I enjoyed playing the game. I had a good time with it. This is another one topically that I probably would never have touched if it weren't for a Steam Next Fest demo. So ringing endorsement for that setup as a whole. And with that, that's all of my completions uh we've got one retirement for yourself alex you want to jump onto that really quickly this is when you were playing last week if i remember correctly yeah uh not a not like a soup probably a super surprising one uh, i just retired ring of pain because actually i realized that i had retired it when i was filling out the form for, like our our thing here i was like oh yeah that one's hella retired it's just like hmm. it's a fine roguelike but literally i did not understand what was happening like you remember when i played um Child of Eden, is that the one? The... Uh, one Step from Eden. One Step from Eden, that's it. I was like, what the hell is it called? Child of Light. The, the Mega Man Battle the Network. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you remember how that one doesn't really explain what you're doing, but like even that one kind of does. You know what I mean? Like it sort of explains what you're doing, but this one really doesn't fucking explain what you're doing. And I'm like, 
I'm kind of tired of games being like, oh, but the mysteries part. I'm like, fuck off. I'm like, you're a fucking game. Like, <laughs> you know, like it's like, you got to explain how the game fucking works if you want me to enjoy your the experience. Like, <laughs> you can leave some things as a mystery if you want. Like, sure, you can have new mechanics that come up later and like can be cool and interesting. But for fuck's sake, like, explain how some of this works at least. And it's just kind of like, uh, you got cards. You can sneak. And I'm like, bro, I'm done. I'm so done. <laughs> so I was just like, I'm out. Um, maybe someday I'll pop in and like just play a second or two of it, you know? And like, I don't know, maybe if I'm like, I know I'm not going to. I'm kind of done. <laughs> it's fine. There's just so many better ones out there. You know what I mean? Like there's just, there are so many really, really, really good roguelites out there, especially card-based ones that it's like, if you're not going to be excellent, that's the point um and it's a hard sell to bring me in for like what i'll probably have to play this for like you know tens of hours just to like get decent enough to understand what's going on and i'm like "Mm, i'm good (laughs) um so that's that's my retirement not like uh i don't think a a particularly shocking retirement but (laughs) uh that's kind of it for me there you've both frozen for me oh i was fine he's frozen well, You're I'm the only one that matters. Now, so. Oh, is that how it is? Well, just wow. for the recording. <laughs> oh. Sick. Um, all right. On that note, um, why don't we move on to playing then? Um, and Paolo, why don't you tell us what you're playing? Because I don't matter. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. It's your time to shine. Okay, of course so you matter. Really, me, everyone. I'm still playing Tears <laughs> of the Kingdom. I haven't just touched it this week. Um, what I've been playing a lot of is Pokemon Emerald, also other games, but that is for later. And remember how I stuck because it was like, hey, I kind of think that I have to do something in the area that I already explored, but I don't remember what it is because I can't progress without Surf. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I completely forgot about the protagonist's father, that is the gym leader for Pedalburg City. And he told me that I have to go uh, challenge the gym once I have four gym badges, which I had. So I went to Petaburg City Gym uh, with the gym leader Norman and got the balance badge. Then shortly after I got the HMO3 for surf, then I just um, kind of explore around a little bit, trying to battle all the trainers that I skipped. Especially the ones that um, that you don't battle be, uh, when you go like with the witch. What what was his name? I forgot the name of the the guy that uh, that that does the favor to to carry you to to Sleeper City. But anyway, the thing is, I explore a little bit. Then I went to the Weather Institute, where Team Aqua was just fucking around. So I kicked them out of there and went to Route uh, 119. And here is where the hunt for the FIFAs began. Remember how difficult I said hunting for a FIFAs was? Well, I got lucky. I found one on the fifth tile I checked. Out of, I don't know how many tiles, but... I am going to look at the gift horse in the mouth. So I just catch a couple of fibas. 
just in case I fuck up when giving the the fibas um uh, pocket blocks, which are gonna come in handy like later in this playthrough. And yeah, I got a couple of fibas, and now I'm all set for success, hopefully. So I named the fibas Marina, and then I battled against my rival, got the HM4 fly, and went to Fort 3 CD. One thing that I kind of missed from the older Pokemon games that isn't like uh, present in the newer, newer ones is that some of the uh, some of the cities or towns used to be more memorable in the fact of how they were visually designed. Like even in Gen Six with uh, X and Y, you had like uh, kind of like magical foresty kind of town. And I think we don't have that in the newer Pokemon games, especially like in Scarlet Violet. They're kind of samey in a way. Excepting for Mesagosa, but I don't know, all towns look the same. That that did aside, um, I tried to go to the city gym, to, to Fortress City Gym, and something was blocking my path. So I went to Route uh, 120 and got the Demon Scope, which allows you to see uh, Pokemon that are invisible at the moment, like Ecleon, which kind of hides in the environment. Remember how I told you that this game has uh, more roadblocks that, than only the HMs, where this is another one of them. Is this the third one? I don't know. Maybe it is. I think it is. The question anyway. is, why do you keep doing this to yourself? I mean, it's still fun, but I just didn't remember so the how many ways the game has. has to block your path. Mm. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Still, yeah, it wasn't like a super. A lot of that. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Like, I think, but I think even in Gen Four, where there's the biggest, largest amount of GMs, sorry, HMs, there are even less roadblocks in Gen Three. But anyway. Uh, so I beat the Kecklin that was blocking my way on the Fortress City gym and went against uh, the gym leader Winner and got the Feather Batch. So that makes six batches out of eight. Also, my Girly I evolved into Gardevoir, which was nice. And the, he actually like evolved just before the gym leader, so it was a huge help against that Altaria. Uh, because even though I'm not doing a Nuzlocke, um, Winona Saltaria is notable to, um, notable for just wiping up teams if it manages to uh, secure a couple of Dragon Dances. Then I got a secret power, so I got to make my own secret base, which is one of the features that I kind of miss from uh, this generation and from the remix too, especially because here and in the remix, you were able to make in a secret base, and even in the remix, you were able to make your own, like, kind of like small little customizable gym. And especially in Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire, that was very useful because you could share around your secret base and people could actually, like, 
level up fighting your team. And there were people that just dedicated themselves to make a water, what is called policy basis. So at this point in time, uh, Blissey was the is the Pokemon that gives you the highest amount of experience once uh, you defeat it. So what they did was just make a, a triple battle, yeah, triple battle base with three Blissies, and you. And all of them are level 100, and I think their only move is like um, heal pools or something like that. So you get a shit ton of experience, and it makes like training a competitive Pokemon team so much easier. Those were the good days. Sorry, got a little carried away over there. Um, I also found the Safari Zone, which I couldn't enter without a Pokeblock case. So I went to Little Cove and got the Pokeblock, the Pokeblock case. And there I remember why it was so difficult to make your FIFAs evolve into Milotic if you don't have a help, if you don't have help from a friend. The thing is, is that uh, you can uh, blend berries with up to three other players. And in this case, you cannot do it on yourself. So how does the game uh, allow you to make fairies if you're playing alone? They give you a table with an NPC, a table with two NPCs, and a table with three NPCs, and you can just pick one and make uh, pocket blocks with those uh, NPCs. The NPCs suck at playing them berries at the, at the mini game, especially. Uh, and also the berries they use aren't always like the ones you want them to use. So that's why it was uh, advised that you use like the berry that has like the strongest dry flavor, which, which is the one that enhances beauty to make the berries with. And usually you want to go to the table with just one, pe one person because it is easier to control the quality and the flavor of your Pokeblock that way. So what I'm going to do, and I just got this idea, and I'm a genius for that. I'm going to farm the, like, all the dry flavor uh, berries, probably just uh, blueberries, but anyway. Make a copy of my save file and transfer it to my boyfriend's... Um, uh, um, easy flash omega thingy and just use those berries to add, I mean connect both game boys and make berries uh, just with my uh, boyfriend's help or without his help I can play the 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 mini game like with uh, like on two different consoles like no problem, but I need those fairies to evolve my Fibas. And I'm getting the spread here, but anyway. Uh, that is my master plan. I'll tell you next week if it works. Hopefully it does. If not, I'm going to cry. Um, but anyway. Uh, I got, I tried my hand at some Pokemon contests. And I didn't remember how difficult they were in this gym because on the remake, it's pretty straightforward. You just like show your Pokemon, like 
you just give your Pokemon like Pokeblocks to make it like I don't, I don't know, cooler, prettier, tougher, whatever. And then you just use like an attack. But in this game, there is strategy. Because each move has a possible effect on the other participants. So I got my ass kicked. Like the both times I played the uh, Pokemon Contest minigame, I got to second place. And the second one, it wasn't even a contest. Like I got swept under the rug. Um uh, I went with a skitty that had only cute moves and one of the moves that it has, that is Growl, I think, or Tail Whip, I think they both do the same, they give you the most points if you're the last one on that round to use a move, while other moves are better used at the beginning or made uh, if you're like the first or second Pokemon on that round because they unnerve the other Pokemon and make them un unable to move. And there's like a... Another move that I think is assist, and I think it depends on how well the Pokemon that is in front of you is doing. Because when the skill that beat my ass was uh, like getting a lot of points, I used assist and I also got a lot of points. So I don't know. I, I still don't know like how to win a contest because it is kind of tough. It's still a lot of fun. Like, you have to, like, consciously train a Pokemon just for contests because the ones you use for fights aren't going to have the moves you need for the contest. And that's a lot of fun. Anyway, I go to the Safari Zone. I got a Pikachu just because, well, why not get a Pikachu? I'm not using it on my party yet or at all. But anyway. And I go to Lilikov City again uh, and went to the apartment store uh, for against Brendan. And then I just went to Montpire because Timakwa was wreaking havoc over there. Uh, so the, that's the last thing I did. Now I'm going to go to Mastip City. And right now I have Mango the Swampert, Lemonade the Trappings, Marina the Fivas, Cotton the Soblu, Tuna the Nikada, that is my HM slave. And Naraka the Gardevoir. So to be fair, only Mango and Naraka are doing like the the actual battling. The others are kind of weak, especially the Fivas. The Fivas doesn't do anything yet. It's still better than a Magikarp, but not by much. And currently, uh, the Swablu is getting there. So that is my Pokemon Adventure. Oh, and the other game that I I started playing like last night, and I only played like. Part of it, but this is a replay, so I, I know what I'm talking about. Is Hatoful Boyfriend. So, with a group of friends, we have kind of like our own game of the month, too. And since it was my birthday last month, and I actually won the really thing we do to decide who picks the next game, I forced them to play Hatoful Boyfriend. Evil. I yeah, and this game is wild. Like, in, in the surface, it's just haha, um, a game where you romance uh, pigeons and birds in general. But it's so much more than that because it has like, like the routes for the individual characters. Some of them are like more serious. One of them ends with, with an RPG battle against a god. And one of them is just 
chaos, total mm. chaos. Like you end up um, looking for the temple of pudding to find like the perfect golden pudding, and the pigeon on that route consumes the pudding and pretty much becomes God. I could be misremembering, but that one was a favorite dream. So, um, you play as uh, Hiyoko, which is the protagonist. Uh, Hiyoko actually means like chick in Japanese. And she goes to a school where only bears attend to, for some reason that is later explained in the story. And the thing is, uh, is that these are actual pigeons, birds, whatever, though they do have a humanoid portrait that it's shown only at the beginning of the game and then never again. So you have, um, there's like a lot of usual cliches, I am going to say, like the uh, childhood friend, like the snobbish kind of popular character, the the playboy, the bookworm. Oh, the and tracks. then you have Sonoko, which is a pigeon that... So there's kind of like a virus that makes pigeons develop intelligence, in a way. But this pigeon in particular, it seems they didn't win the genetic uh, virus um, roulette. And they're kind of dumb. They don't actually talk human language. They just cool, I guess. So a pigeon. <laughs> so a pigeon. <laughs> but this one, the only thing they say is pudding. And they're obsessed with pudding. And it is stupid. Then you I have. Love that. The, the thing about this pigeon, it's a pigeon. It's a it's an actual pigeon with nothing special in it, and that What's makes that? it special in this game. My God. Um. Then you have the uh, homeroom teacher because why not? And the school doctor, which is an actual psychopath. I don't like his route, but it is there. And then you have the. Um, the actual true route, the final route, and then things go crazy. Like, take everything you knew about this game, all those eight routes you just did, and throw it out of the window. It turns, like, into a slightly paranormal, almost horror-like, not a straight order, but like very creepy kind of a storyline. And there's a lot of, there are many explanations of how the world became like this. Why are the pigeons dominating the earth? And why is Hiyoko the only human that is, that you see in the entire game? Why does she live in a cave? And why does she go to a pigeon school? And that's it. I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> Also, for anyone who wants to play, this does have a Vita port, which obviously is a elevates it in all of the obvious relevant ways, yes. I mean, yeah, that, that makes it a legit game. Otherwise, I mean, come on. What even if is it's it? not on Vita, does it even count? <laughs> yeah, does it even exist, guys? I mean, come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> obviously, no is the answer. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously. <laughs> obviously. So is, is that... Is that it? Okay. So have... <laughs> that is it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you just sort of stared at us. I was like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just waiting. Pudding. Cool. Cool. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, shall I jump in and, and save this? Let's, let's no, do that. Um, so I've played some more Judge, my brother. Um, we have, we think, done everything we need to to have enough credits to play the last four levels of the game. I expect I will be doing that between now and the next time we record. The game's still great, still padded to wall hell. Um, we earlier today we replayed a mission with the hardest sort of objectives. Two of those objectives completely conflicted. This is a level where um, you're surviving for 70 seconds, killing enough enemies to do that to get back onto the car. Uh, the two extra objectives, and you don't have to achieve all of them at the same time because obviously this would make no sense otherwise. One of those objectives is do not take damage. The second one of those objectives is do not kill a single enemy. And we said, well, the, the don't take damage one will be the easier of the two. Like, to try and manage this kind of wave thing without killing anyone's going to be torture. So we spent 15 minutes replaying, jigging loadouts, replaying to not take damage on this level. It was brutal. And then we said, well, we'll, we'll have a crack at the other one. With stun grenades, turns out if you don't clear the previous wave, the next one doesn't spawn. So we did that one on our first try. But... I think that's emblematic of the fact that for all of the criticism I'll give this game about lacking content, it does make creative use of what content it has and the the success requirements for each of those levels to make enough out of it. Like I, I and some of this is my brother and us having just a really good time. But the game absolutely does enough to facilitate that, and I think that's worth saying. Um, I've played some more of FF7 Remake. Nothing really new to say off the back of that. Uh, ditto Radiant Historia. Um, ditto Klonoa Moonlight Museum, although I will say a couple of things. One, um, I had another vertical level with the PSP on its side again. Not my fave, but also not, not the emulator's fault. It's actually remarkably playable considering... The, the button setup it has to recreate is that of the Bandai Wonder Swan, which was just a, a curse setup of, of exclusively that console. Secondly, I think there were two things I was going to say. <laughs> my head, I just had a Windows restart moment. My, my brain's <laughs> just doing the boot up sound. We it's just saw fun. like the blue screen of the, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. behind your cool. eyes. <laughs> your computer ran into a problem we're going to have to restart the game the game is, is still really really good a little bit on the slow side like you can tell that this game walked so that the gba 2d ones could run but there's absolutely still fun to be had and there's there's concepts within this that i don't think were repeated in the game boy games uh which is interesting i think i'm about halfway through now it's one I've been playing in, in my like Pomodoro breaks between doing other stuff. So it's been perfect for that. And, and I'm confident that'll be beat in the next week or two. Uh, one new game that I've started, uh, namely Sword of the Vagrant for Nintendo Switch. This is a game 
that's often compared very favorably to Muramasa, uh, the Vanillaware Classic. I'm very early, but I'm not seeing it. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing it, to be clear. It's, it's absolutely like borrowed Muramasa's homework and written its own essay based on what Muramasa did. However, the combat's not nearly as fluid. In this early stage, at least, it doesn't give you nearly the wealth of options that Muramasa does from the word go. It also bogs down in plot that so far I'm not especially bothered by. Now, that could change. It's early days and the game's absolutely got time to turn it around. There's been enough people that have recommended this game that I'm... I think it'd be reticent of me to write it off too early. But the initial impression is not fantastic. So we'll see how it goes, I guess. We'll see how it goes. Don't be too surprised if I've retired this one. Equally, don't be too surprised if I come back next week and, and tell you how amazing it is. But for now, ugh, we'll see. That's me. That's everything I've been playing and haven't also finished in the same breath, which is sort of the problem that I've run into this week. Alex, tell us about what you've got going on. Yeah, um, kind of playing the same stuff. Well, actually, I have a new one this week that I'm actually pretty far into. But, uh, well, let's not bury the lead. I started playing Cult of the Lamb uh, uh, on uh, Steam Deck, PC, whatever you want there. Um, basically, anything that I play on uh, PC now is on my Steam Deck. Uh, God, mm. I love this thing so much. It has quickly left the Switch in the dust. At this point, too, whenever I look at something, it's like, oh, it's on Switch. And I'm like, yeah, but I bet it's going to run better on my deck. And I'm like... I think I just played and it'll be cheaper be on cheaper. Steam. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. So yeah, I'm just like, there you go. <laughs> I'm just gonna go with the Steam version. You know, like because the Call of the Lamb, I heard yeah. had some slight performance issues on Switch. Not like intense things or anything, but I heard that some of the loading could just take a little bit of time. Uh, but it's super me. fucking fast on the Steam Deck. You're just like boom, 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 going through it. Uh, I, this game is like tailor made for me. I can see how. I think it got like when it came out. It, I think it was well received, but like slightly mixed. Um, because yeah. Yeah, like, let me just, I just want to double check the open critic. No, it has an 84 in open critic. That's very well received. Yeah, that's what I thought. Mm. Um, it's it's really fucking good. And it is exactly the type of shit that I love. Because it, it, it has this mix of, like, it's like Animal Crossing if you could murder your, your uh, villagers. Um, and, you know, sacrifice them and then feed them to the rest of your, uh, of your villagers. It's awesome you can be like you can either be like a very loving cult where you're just like you're this cult who like eats magic mushrooms and you marry your followers which by the way you can marry as many of your followers as you want but they might get jealous of each other um and you can fuck no it's fucked dude it's like straight up just a full-on cult you can have ritual sacrifice you can brainwash your cult members to thinking that eating each other is actually a good thing um you could do like all this sh like it's it's wild man it is fucking wild um and, that sounds terrible where do i sign up right it's so much fun it's so <laughs> it, like they lean in so hard to the fact that it's like this is totally fucked up and you're probably the bad guy um <laughs> you most certainly are but uh but everyone seems to sort of be bad anyway it is um very very fun it has sort of two phases to it there's like the um and and i would call it like very light resource management like you know, building sim side of it. It's not demanding. And like the game is really not going to make you spend hours like managing your little village that you're creating, your little cult world that you're creating. And like, arguably you, 
like even the requirements because you have to gather followers but like to unlock all four of the sort of like dungeons that you can go through doesn't require a ton of followers it's really not trying to like gate you off um and like force you to like intensely use each of the mechanics it they're there for you and like it sort of naturally incentivizes you to to go towards the things that you find most enjoyable. Like if you really love the resource stuff, you can do a lot of work on there and you can actually get a lot of benefits. But to, at a certain point, you're going to like not have things to do. And that's when it's like, well, why don't you just go into the dungeons and go play some combat and go run through there. Um, and each element is so kind of short. Like a dungeon run for me is usually less than 10 minutes to get through one. So it really like, the time management, it's, it's just really beautifully done. And like every time you come back, there's resources to collect now. There's shit to do. You're in a new day. Boom, there you go. And then you go in. It's like the, the feedback loop is just, it's really finely tuned. Um, and it feels like the minute you start to get bored, you're like, oh yeah, I'll go do that thing. Whee! And then, you know what I mean? And it's, like, it's just like, it's just kind of perfectly balanced as far as I'm concerned. Um, and there's lots of fun little side questy things that you can do. There's lots of things to explore. I think coming into it now, I think there's a bunch of free DLC that's come out. Um, and that I don't think you notice if you're playing it because I think it's just there. Um, like there's very little, there's, I think there's two paid DLC packs, but they're just cosmetic stuff. And then all of the actual like gameplay, um, uh, additions have been free. Um, which to me, I'm like, I like that. That's nice. Cause there's already a ton of cosmetic shit within the game already. Like that you can, you know what I mean? Like they're not really limiting mm. you. It's more just like, eh, you want to buy some sort of unique decorations for your cult lands and like some more follower looks. Here you go. Two packs that are like pretty cheap. And I'm like, eh, that seems fair to me, especially if you're going to be giving me the, the game content for free. I'm like, yeah, sure. Uh, might even throw them a bone at some point. I don't really care about them, but I'm like, Eh, I kind of like that you gave me the rest of this content for free. So that's pretty cool. Um, it's the way it kind of like works. I guess the, like, to explain is that you have these cult lands and you have like stone and wood is like the basic things and then gold. And then there are some other types of materials that you'll gather and like you need food because you have to feed your followers. Um, but you're not like a good chef. So you're a lot of the food <laughs> will like make your followers shit themselves like right away. Um, and you got to clean oh. that shit up. Uh, because you got to make sure oh. that your place isn't too bad and they might just puke everywhere because you fe you fed them grass. Um, <laughs> uh, although I trained my followers to like the taste of grass. So uh, they'll eat that any anyway. So it's all good. <laughs> um, Not a bug, it's a feature. Exactly. No, literally, they, like, they were like, you can do this disciplined doctrine thing. So like all the systems integrate with each other. And, but the thing is, is that you have this thing called divine inspiration. So you, like, you're, you're building up their worship and after you get enough worship, you can unlock new things for your kind of cult area. And one of them is like outhouses. So you can unlock the outhouse so that they shit in the outhouse and now you don't have to clean up their shit or you put a janitor staff so they can clean up their own puke. So I don't even have to think about the the, the sickness element of my game anymore. It doesn't matter. Um, but you'll also have followers who will die. If you're not careful, your followers can die from disease, but that's really hard if you're not, if you have to really not be on top of it. But sometimes you're fighting against these like heretics. There's like these four heretics who might cause plagues in your community and stuff. And so they'll need to go on bed rest and things. There's a whole bunch of things in it. Um, but uh, one thing that can happen is like your, your followers just genuinely age and they'll enter into old age where they become like elders, where they don't do any work anymore. They just kind of walk around and then they'll die. And so you have to make sure that you quickly put them into a corpse pit, which is something you have to unlock. 
Uh, otherwise, their rotting corpses are going to like spread disease amongst the cult. It's like, there's so much little shit in this that you're like, oh yeah, that, yeah, okay. That is something you'd have to consider, I guess, as you're going through it. Um, yeah, so it's pretty, uh, it's pretty cool. And like when you go on runs, like the resources that you need, you can get them on your runs. So it's like, you're never really, um, you're never like locked out of stuff. Um, and again, if you're really not totally digging the, the, you know, life sim aspect of it or like the the animal crossing aspect of it you can just go do more runs and you'll be fine but you're gonna have to engage with it at some point um i like it because it takes the roguelike nature of you know like doing dungeon runs but you can always beat the dungeons um which i really like it's like the opposite of something like hades right where it's like you're gonna basically lose the same thing that you're doing and yeah it's gonna randomize as you go along but it's always sort of like you know you're doing that path kind of thing Whereas this one has four worlds of randomized areas within them, but they're four distinct sections. And I think there might be a fifth one in the end. I don't know yet because I haven't gotten there. Um, and each one is randomized to an extent. Um, and then you have like bosses and you have to beat them f- like basically three times before on the fourth run, you can fight the, the boss of that area. Like the big main boss because there's smaller bosses within. Uh, and you're getting followers along the way. You're getting a whole bunch of different stuff. You're unlocking like interesting little side quests um and materials and things it's a very 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 smart game um and every system bleeds into each other extremely satisfyingly um and yeah i'd say it's easily one of the best um roguelikes i've ever played um and especially because it just marries you know how a lot of these games like they try to marry these two things together and it doesn't really work and this is one where it was like no they kind of did it perfectly um and it 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 feels to me like this game has been tested a lot because it seems as though like you know what i mean you know when you play a game you feel like you're like everything i want to do it seems like the game is like yeah we know you want to do that (laughs) we anticipated that you would want to do this and i'm like you did anticipate that i would want to do this um and has some sort of satisfying thing for me to do and i'm discovering new interesting things every every little uh, bit of time like it's it has such um it has very not like i wouldn't call it gated progress right because yes it does sort of stop you from moving forward but it's not it doesn't really feel like it's like restricting you necessarily from moving forward it's just it's giving you the rewards at a pace that feels really satisfying so that you're like nice okay like i am like um or you it 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 shows you everything that you can get which i think is really cool like all of its trees they don't hide anything from you they show you exactly where things can go so you can really plan out the way you want your kind of cult to work um which is really really i i love that so much because it's like oh i know exactly where i want to go with this um yeah so like i can't sing my praises enough about this game like i'm probably have it be you know i want to be playing it right now you know what i mean it's one of those games where it's just like everyone every time i'm when i'm not playing it i'm like thinking about it you know and i'm like oh, that's a good game <laughs> um and it's so it's one of those it's not expensive uh i got it on sale it's 100 worth its full price um like for what i'm doing right now like i can't anticipate myself hating this anytime soon i'm like pretty close to the end i think or well i'm like well over halfway through uh i got it for about um what was it 18 bucks yeah i got it for 18 cad um it's like normal price i think the average price is usually about 30 dollars canadian um so like but like honestly i feel like you'd be able to find it probably rick even like in pounds it's probably like 
13, 14 pounds on sale, I think pretty regularly, um, maybe like 15 or so. And if you get it for that much, definitely worth that much. Um, I think perfect for handheld. Like this is one that I think if you don't have a Steam Deck or something, then like, yeah, pick it up on Switch or something. Um, I'm sure it'd be fun too in PC and whatnot, but it's just, it's such a pick up and put down game where like you can do a run really quickly and like fix up your town for a little bit and then just like, you know, go off. Like it's such a good commute game because you're just like, oh, I did a little run and now I'm at work and I'm done, right? Um, so yeah, anyway, that that's Cult of the Lamb. I don't know, is this on either of your radars? It's one I, I remember. I oh, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, Paul, you I know really it like is a game. thing. I know more or less the the gist of it. It's not a priority for me. That's fair. You would, I think, you would extremely dig this. To be honest, um, yeah, no, you would really like this. <laughs> <laughs> kind uh, of came and went on my radar. I was aware it was a thing. Um, super low priority, even to check out. It's one that. I can see the appeal. It's not necessarily one I figured would appeal all that much to me. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Like, I really don't know what you would think of this one. To be honest, like, I actually have no idea. <laughs> I, like, my, it, my gut reaction is I probably wouldn't engage with the outside of combat systems enough. You just don't have to engage with them that much. Is the thing. Like I've been engaging with a fair bit, but you don't really. I, I, you know what? I don't know. I think this is so well tuned. I think you would enjoy it. I don't think you would love it. I think you would find it. I think you'd find it very good though, um, because I just think it's so well done that it would surprise me if you didn't, uh, if you didn't enjoy it. But it's kind of like you don't have to engage with the uh, a lot with the uh ultra hand mechanic on breath on tears of the kingdom but here we are are you fucking kidding me it's like yeah. built into that fucking game are you are you trying to shit with me right now all the no don't even don't even start this all the puzzles require that fucking mechanic that's nuts that is a crazy claim actually hold on hold on i'm not going to talk about this but everybody go watch narrow fucking fucking validates what i was saying and i feel so did good watch the video that. was quite interesting right it's like the literally everything you were saying i was like thank you i'm not crazy so uh not for that reason anyway <laughs> uh, uh yes exactly i'm crazy for other reasons folks <laughs> but that ain't the one <laughs> oh, and i will another reason another but, reason um, you're crazy in fact that's not the segue because you've got other games to talk about i was gonna say uh yeah Hold that thought. we'll come back to that <laughs> um, yeah i do have other games but we can come back to this in a second um yeah what else am i playing uh oh yeah growing up still playing that a little bit it slowed down a lot because i started playing cult of the lamb uh, like i said that game is such a conundrum to me it's so weird it should be terrible like you ever play something and you think it's a scam like you think like like who made this because <laughs> who made this? i've definitely played games where i thought like how am I enjoying this? I shouldn't be enjoying this. Yes. This doesn't work. There was a PSP RPG, that, like an action RPG, and I had that exact thought. I was like, this isn't very good, but I'm having a very good time. Right? It's oh, so what was weird. it called? Who's the develop okay, Vile Monarch. Um, they're a hard rock game studio. Yeah. What does that even mean? I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> And they've made such weird games. Like, they haven't made anything that I, like, know. And it's just, like, but it's not bad. It's just weird. It's just, <laughs> well, okay, I don't know. Well, yeah, like, 
their games look so, I don't know. They have a game called The Last Alchemist, Floodland, Weedcraft, Inc. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's all these games. I've heard of Weedcraft. I've never played it, but I've heard of it. Okay. I I think it was supposed to be all right. That was it. Warriors of the Lost Empire. Yeah, is that one of the... Oh, that was the one you played. Okay. And genuinely bloody adored. Like, I gave that bad boy... um, Doesn't look like I gave it any kind of rating. That's, That's clever. Oh, eight out of ten. But like it was just it was an eight point eight five sort of situation. Like genuinely very, very fun. Mm. Um I'm one of six people to have completed it on the site. Ignore the the global rating because the global rating is very, very harsh. It's a really good RPG. Is anyway. The global rating's not good, I'm guessing. It's like six and a half. <laughs> uh that's not the worst. No, no, it's it's fine, TM, but the game is genuinely quite good. I might actually go back and play that again. Fuck. Yeah, they're um, I don't know, Vile Monarch. They're weird, weird. They're from Warsaw, um, but the games are pretty well reviewed, to be honest. Um, hmm. yeah, but it seems like okay, okay. This is the thing. Their games, Devolver Digital has published a fair number of their games, actually. So. I think this one included, actually. I think Cult of the Lamb is a Devolver publish. Cult of the Lamb. Might even been a Humble But that's not, sorry, Cult of the Lamb's not Vile Monarch. That's, I'm talking about growing up. Growing up is Vile Monarch. Oh, Um, of course. Yeah. No, no, no. no. Cult of the Lamb is an excellent game that you totally understand what it is. Uh, Crossing the streams. Vile Monarch published this one, though. So this is what's interesting, right? Like, it's on Mac, mobile, and PC. And it's one of those games that you, you feel like it is a mobile game that tries to scam you, but it's not that. That's what's so fucking weird about this game is that you're just like it has all the trademarks of it without any of the scumminess so like kudos to vile monarch honestly i'm like i mean it depends is it like that on phones yeah, but there's nothing to buy and then they just tweak it do you know what i mean like on the on the pc version but i don't understand what you could eat i don't know what you could buy um like do you know what i mean like i, I just don't. i just don't know what you possibly could get um Oh no, it's a full it's a full price release. It's three sixty nine on mobile. And it's no highly rated on mobile. It's highly it. rated on most things. It is four point eight out of And it's five. pretty cheap on fucking mobile too. It's five bucks. Uh yeah, US, three squids. Right? That's this is what I'm saying. Like it is not a bad game. It's just so like it's just weird. You're just gonna you're gonna feel like something's wrong the whole time, but nothing's wrong. Everything's fine. <laughs> it's just it's you, you just said they confusing. also made yeah. You said they also made Weedcraft. The yeah. first related advertised app on growing up is uh Empire plant growing game. <laughs> Which what what a title for for a not Weedcraft. It's pretty good. Also, yeah. did you buy that did you buy that Metroidvania bundle in the end? Side uh, yeah, I did. Uh did you? I didn't. Funnily enough. Didn't. Yeah, I did. Because honestly, I looked at it and I was like, I want those games. I fucking want them. <laughs> I was just like, Haiku and Lost Ruins and the other one, they'll probably all go on sale eventually cheaper than this bundle. And they're the ones I want. Maybe. Um, but honestly, Almost I definitely. didn't care. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That like, I'll be totally honest. Fair. I'm not so... Let me put it this way. I'm not so pressed to uh, to care that much. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, if I was strapped right now, maybe I'd be like, "Oh God!" But I'm like, "Nah, I'm good." I, I got to guarantee that I have a job in the fall too. I'm teaching hmm. uh, for a full year, which is pretty nice. Um, anyway, though, I found I'm moving next year actually, which is kind of exciting. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Moving further away. Uh, anyway, um, 
but no one no one will know where is alex going who knows <laughs> um Oh, I'm also playing Star Wars Jedi Survivor. I haven't gotten like super far in because like, again, I haven't had a lot of time to actually sit down and play games besides on my commute. Um, that being said, I'm like a little bit further in, like I'm out of the sort of tutorial-ish sort of world area. Uh, it's fucking great. I mean, it. they're very good at this. You know, like the Respawn is, is excellent um, when it comes to their game design. It feels amazing. It sounds great. It looks fantastic. Um, they're, uh, they're starting to toy with an era of Star Wars that, like, Disney is pushing hard right now that has never really been done, um, and I am intrigued. It's kind of fun. It's kind of a cool idea. Um, if you're, I guess, worried about Jedi Survivor spoilers, though, this is within the first hour of the game. Um, if you are worried, maybe skip a few seconds or so, uh, though I'm not gonna spoil any, like, details, really. Just the time period they're dealing with. Um, so... They're they're playing with the High Republic, which does that mean anything to either of you? Uh, okay, great, and it probably means nothing to a lot of people. So, uh, the High Republic, it, like theoretically, this was a thing in canon. I think it was in Legends as well, but uh, I don't know. You played with my so there's the Old Republic, right? Which I think most of us, when you hear that, you know kind of what I'm talking about a little bit. Like there's the games, that's the Old Republic. Um, think of the Old Republic as like that is like very old star wars right like it's like tens of thousands of years before the films that we you know know and love um and that's the era of like darth uh revan and bane and all these people bane's even earlier uh but like darth revan and stuff like that and it's like you know um it, it's 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 far far in the past um then you have obviously and and now there's an mmo with the old republic all that kind of stuff uh and beloved beloved time period uh, now the High Republic is considered like, think of it as like the like. If the Old Republic was ancient Greece, the High Republic is Rome, right? It's like that kind of okay. like you know what I mean. Like think of it that in that sense. Uh, whereas the New Republic, right, is like modern era, right? It's like because you know, um, basically the fucking Palpatine and them are Nazis. Right. So like, that's kind of like, if you were to think of the time periods, that's sort of what you're looking at. Um, but the thing with the high Republic is it's like an era of just like, that's when like the Jedi were in like full fucking swing. Right. Um, and think of it as like, you know, when you think of star Wars, star Wars is all like, it's a very used universe, right? Like everything looks kind of old and grimy. Everything looks like it's been scavenged and salvaged. The high Republic is like an era of opulence where it's like, everything is like, beautiful like gold and gilded silver and like the Jedi and these like beautiful white flowing robes um it's like it is an era of just like perfection right like a little bit like honestly i think of star trek and like you know how star trek has that very chromium like perfect like future sort of deal um <laughs> okay you both no afraid not fucking you guys you know sci-fi but that's fine well, <laughs> different different kinds of nerds well i'm here to educate you on this a little bit but you're gonna learn something today um uh, so yeah star trek and star wars the major difference between the two of them in a lot of ways besides the fact that star trek exists in our universe right yeah good pal let's take notes <laughs> uh star trek is like earth is a thing and it's it's earth's future right so the whole idea with star trek is that like in the future we have essentially eliminated a lot of the issues um that humanity has right like currency is not a thing anymore um you don't have to work you, you choose a vocation that you're interested in I know obviously different Star Trek, they'll deal with different elements of this. 
Um, but like, you know, there's replicators. So like food scarcity is not a thing anymore. And like, it's a world of like pristine beauty, right? Um, things are kind of wonderful and, and great. And like humanity is starting to, you know, sort of perfect itself in a lot of ways. And now you're dealing with these larger questions, philosophical questions and dealing with the aliens of the universe. Whereas Star Wars is obviously a completely science fiction world. There's no earth in this, in the Star Wars galaxy. Um, but it's a used universe. It's meant to look very like hodgepodge. Um, like everything is like kind of falling apart, right? <laughs> um, and that's kind of the big difference between them. And so the High Republic is more of a, of a time in the Star Wars galaxy when shit was like really pristine and good. And clearly something has happened to make the universe kind of start to fall apart, uh, which is part of why I think you see the rise of, you know, the stormtroopers and the empire and all that, because it is a universe in decay. It's a universe where shit's kind of rough and there's a lot of villainy and there's a lot of fucking, you know, shit going down. Um, and everybody's kind of make it for their own, which is kind of what I love about star Wars. It's, it's really unique in that sense. And then the prequels is sort of like you're seeing um, the Republic, right. Falling apart because it's way past the high Republic ages. And the Republic has kind of become this corrupted, like the Jedi, frankly, in the prequels, um, kind of fucking suck like they're they're space cops you know shitty space cops um and they're like honestly like kind of fuck them you know and like in that first uh in the prequels it makes sense why they fall and why they get destroyed um but the high republic represents a time period where in the jedi were actually like pretty fucking cool <laughs> um and so and there's thousands of them right um so it's neat that this game is like, cause you meet this droid essentially that's been asleep since the end of, well, since something was happening in the higher public, it's not clear what was going on. Something that you're going to solve a mystery to. So it's kind of cool to see um, properties dealing with this because essentially Star Wars has just started to explore the high Republic in like novels essentially. Um, and hasn't really introduced it outside of that. So this is kind of the first time in sort of media that we're seeing it. There's been hints at it. I think at some of the shows and things, but not much. And like, I know, like, you know, like, look, I actually, slight little, very, very, very short tangent, but like some, not really tangent, but I, I even saw a video today talking a little bit about like fatigue and some of these sort of um, uh, properties, right? And the fact that like Star Wars has so much stuff going on with it um, that it's like, oh my God, how can you watch everything? Um, which like, personally, I think is like, just kind of a lazy take, you know what I mean? Um, because my thing is, you don't have to watch all of it. That's not what it's designed to be. Star Wars is very much something wherein you can choose what you enjoy about it. Um, and they designed it so that there's a lot of entry points for different fans of it. I think some people don't recognize that it's like, it's okay to not watch a show <laughs> if you don't like the show. You just don't have to because they will explain things to you. Like, it's not that hard to figure out what's going on. And if you don't know something, you just don't know. It's like when we watched the original trilogy, we didn't fucking know the history of any of these people. And it was fine. If you watch prequels, you learn some of that history. And now you have more context. You don't have to do that, right? Um, and that's part of what I think is fun with Star Wars is that there's a lot of ways that you can get into Star Wars. And if you really love something, there's a lot of really quality, you know, television, comics, films, um, video games that you can explore to further kind of push yourself into that world. 
Um, and this is one of those, like, I think a fun example that ties to the Clone Wars and everything. So, um, anyway, that's my little Star Wars sort of tangent. Basically, if you're a fan, there's so much you can get into. It's like if you're a manga fan, right? Like, um, you know, we can clown on things like One Piece or something having like, you know, a thousand something episodes, but it's like, well, if you're a fan, that's awesome. You could watch a lot of stuff, you know, you've got, you got a bunch that you can engage with or not. It's up to you, right? Um, you're your own person. Don't let anyone tell you how you have to, uh, integrate with. Uh, media even me <laughs> um so i don't know that that's well, my it, one piece is like its own thing i don't think it's necessarily a perfect yeah. analogy yeah but uh, yeah but you can look at it uh, in in multiple ways because they, they're separated into arcs right um and so ultimately yeah when you go like do you know what i mean like when i say when i look at it this way it's like yeah you've got the anime you've got the manga you've got video games you're about to get the live action series you have movies right? I, they have animated films <laughs> The better, the better analogy is Naruto, where fans have literally put together a list of yeah. which episodes are filler episodes. Yeah, well, they've yeah. done the same with One Piece. There's just less of them. It, the pacing just slows down in the later, like, 500 episodes, actually, because they start, they, they had to start doing, what like, a sentence. one chapter. Oh, my God, yeah. what a sentence. They had to slow down because they didn't have as much stuff. They were like they had to, like, stay up to date with, um, with his putting out. It's crazy. Um, so, I don't know. I just... At the end of the day, I'm like, just there's so much good media out there. Just enjoy it if you like. Um, and so I'm just happy to see stuff that I love getting um, even more love put into it and diversity of um, experiences and diversity of stuff. Because it's funny, right? Like people will complain. They're like, Star Wars is like, there's just too much of it. It's so bad. And they're like, but Andor was the best thing I've ever seen. And you're like, then what the fuck? That just came out. It's like one of those things where I hear people complaining. Like they're like, it's just too much. And it's just kind of getting cookie cutter. But Andrew was one of the best things I've ever. And I'm like, how do you have those two fucking words in your mouth at the same time? It's like, yo, fucking pick a side, dude. <laughs> it's like, we wouldn't get Andor if we weren't getting more media. Anyway, it's just, it is what it is. I, I'm, I'm like, there's a reason why I sort of like tune off of online every once in a while because it's just the the there's no consistency of arguments in a lot of areas but that's that's life right if you're just joining us on the how long to beef podcast alex is discussing jedi survivor i am <laughs> it's all connected my bros because uh, again jedi survivor has lots of different uh lots of like it connects to lots of different elements of the star wars universe um that you can go through and in fact you might even get curious about other star wars games and start putting onto the other jedi series which does not hold up as well now but it was very fun back in the day <laughs> um anyway that's uh that's it i think that's every well i'm not gonna be talking much in the next segment so i gotta get it in now <laughs> um speaking of things alex is crazy for segue half an hour in the making not playing any steam next fest demo. yeah i did not crazy have time thing. <laughs> Um, but fortunately, Paolo and myself have stepped up to the plate. Yeah. We have got, obviously, Next Fest is finished for anyone who's listening now. I think technically it's finished as we record at what, UK time about yeah, half time. 10 on the Sunday. But we've got sort of pickups on 10 of those games. Do you want to just take it in turns, Paola? And we'll just crack through in that way. Yeah, that sounds about right. Cool. So, my first one of the five in that case. Uh, it's a game called On Guard, which quite a lot of coverage has surfaced around, it seems, with that demo being what it is. Um, quickly, before we jump into this, I want to briefly shout out um, a game called Book Walker, which was a Nextfest demo last time. I loved the demo. Uh, it's on Game Pass. I only realized that after I bought the game. And to be fair, for a concept like this, I kind of don't mind supporting the devs. It's one of those things. But 
if either of you are looking for something to check out on Game Pass, the demo was the shit. And based on Steam reviews, it looks like this is maybe six hours to beat. So not a not a big time investment. Um, that aside, first game on guard. This has made me realize that my laptop really just can't keep up anymore. Bless her, she's had a good run, but oh dear me, she she chugged a little bit playing this one. Um, it's a good demo of what I expect to shape up to be a lovely game, though. It's very got a Four Musketeers kind of vibe, um, bright sort of continental European landscapes, these winding streets and locales. And it's a, an Assassin's Creed style combat system with parries and dodges and counters. But the focus is on making you feel weak and feel a necessity to be devious and mischievous and playful with how you move around. So the game is very upfront about the fact that you are going to get swamped by enemies. Those enemies are going to try and stun lock you. It's your job to dodge them, parry them, knock things into them, knock them into things such that you can stun them and turn the tables on them in that way. And there's definitely a little bit of... Um, imprecision is the word I'm looking for in terms of the controls. There's definitely a little bit left for them to do in terms of making that feel tight. There are times that I, I aimed things with boxes that didn't hit. What I would love is, is a, a bullet time style thing, maybe akin to what was in another of the demos that I played that we'll get to later. But on the whole, I really like the setup. I think it's refreshing to be made to feel weak in that particular way. And I like the vibe. It's very bright and breezy and Saturday morning cartoony and low stakes. And I think that works perfectly for this setup. I had a really fun time. I played for maybe 20 minutes. I kind of stopped. So I was like, no, 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 I'm ready. I'll, I'll play this when it comes out. I'm ready. Assuming I've got something that can handle it. Um, is this one that was on either of your radars? Because like I say, it's one that, that seemed to get talked about a lot around Next Fest. No. Funnily enough, I haven't heard about it. Hmm. Okay. I don't know if I've been as plugged in, so I haven't heard of it at all, but sounds cool. That's fair enough. By contrast, I'm aware of the first game that you've played, Power. At least I'm aware of the original. You've played the sequel. Uh, why don't you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so Ambition of the Slimes 2. So apparently there's a first game. It's a game where you... Uh, it's a tactical uh, turn-based game where you uh, control a group of slimes that have a, like a special power that is engulfing an enemy and taking over their body. Which, on paper, it sounded kind of fun, but in reality, they made the gameplay so much slower than other tactical RPGs that it wasn't a deal breaker for me, but it was a really slow game in that sense. Seeing the, uh, seeing like the watching the um, the reactions of the other characters to seeing these powerful slimes in the first place, which was kind of funny, though it started wearing off a little bit, like when it was like the third or fourth time where when that happened. 
and also the, it it's weird that it has like an elemental kind of triangle when the humans doesn't don't have magic like it's not like the weapon triangle in fire emblem it isn't like uh it's more like the elemental weaknesses like in pokemon in the sense that uh, they have fire grass and water the thing is that i can buy that for the slimes because they are like they have different kind of magic but when you have three humans that are the exact same class and they have different elements it's kind of weird um still it was it wasn't great but it was good but i don't think that is um enough for me to justify buying the full game also i don't know which who made the game but um the english on it was kind of rough uh times it was like a little bit too rough so it took me out of the experience a little bit and that is coming from someone who doesn't usually mind that much because again english is hard i'm not a native english speaker so i can i'm kind of more forgiving in that regard so in that sense it 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 must have been bad <laughs> but yeah, anyway volumes i understand what you say yeah so that is my first one Rick. And it, it, it's worth saying that the pacing was a criticism of the first game uh, Ambition of the Slimes, I believe, was originally a 3DS title before getting ported to the platforms. I might have that wrong, but 3DS is where I was looking at it. I ultimately passed on it, largely for the reasons that you're saying the sequel wasn't necessarily fantastic, which is interesting. My second game is a game called Laika, Aged Through Blood. This is a 2D vehicular Metroidvania sort of thing. So you play as an anthropomorphic dog, who is on a motorbike in a dusty, deserty, Mad Maxi post-apocalypse. You have a gun with bullet time. You have a bike that you ride around on. This is what I kind of wanted from a game called Steel Rats that I played and ultimately retired a while back, if you guys remember oh, that one. That's what the art style mm-hmm. looks like. Yeah, like I was looking at this and I was like, man, this looks so much like... Um, like the Great War and like SteamWorld, you know what I mean? Like it's like oh no that. no no, you're you're thinking Valiant Hearts. You're thinking the, the oh, oh yeah yeah, I was thinking, game. but but I know Steel, Steel Rats, Rats is mechanical. Um, I mean oh, that no, was a wait, dark, I actually sort of diesel punky wait, thing. Sorry, no, I was thinking Tales of Iron. That's the one I'm thinking of. Ah, you know that one, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, this looks significantly nicer than Tales of Iron. Yeah. The screenshots don't do justice to just how beautiful this game is in motion. It's really really well crafted. From an aesthetic standpoint, I'm sure the story is going to be overblown and, and pants. That's the vibe I get from what little of it there is in the story. But the mechanics are where this game truly shines. So the the combat from a vehicular standpoint, you start out with, once you, once you retrieve it from another character, a pistol with two bullets. You have to pull a, a specific trick with your bike to reload it. You also have a timing-based reflex of a bullet. You can use that once, and then you have to perform a different trick to reload it. It's a little bit like what Roller Drone did, where the the offensive capabilities are linked to the tricks in terms of keeping them replenished and active. 
And the other way that the tricks are relevant is that if a bullet hits your bike, your bike blocks that bullet. It's it's the the I say human, the the rider of the bike who is squishy and will take one hit of damage and then die. So there's this real synergy between all the systems where you're aiming for things to shoot, you're looking for opportunities for tricks to replenish things, you're also having to do certain things with the bike to navigate properly. Uh, the one thing that didn't quite work well was when you have a branch path and you want to go up instead of flat or down. Um, it defaults to the lower path. I had some trial and error making it recognize that I wanted to take the higher path. That is the only thing that didn't quite work from a control standpoint. This is also the game I was alluding to in terms of bullet time. So it would be grossly difficult to try and aim your gun in real time while riding the bike without stop, start, stop, start. So the game implements a really elegant bullet time solution where you press and hold the fire button, bullet time engages, the shot happens when you release the fire button. And it's really, really well done. And having experienced that, that's what made me think On Guard would really, would really benefit from a similar kind of implementation for its kicking mechanics. Uh, I will absolutely be playing Lycra on launch. This was probably the standout game of the the ones I played on Next Fest, it was really really good. I don't know if I'm doing the best job of communicating just what a pleasant surprise this game was. I sort of downloaded it on a whim and it blew my socks off. Um, Pala, you're up. The second game that I played is probably like one of my favorites too, and it's called A Tiny Sticker Tail, which right from the title it sounds adorable, and. Mm. Um, you're playing as a little donkey, anthropomorphic donkey, and you are, I guess, in search of your father in a way, because he he leaves you uh, little notes uh, around the island, and the thing is, is that you are able to manipulate the environment, the like the overall map environment, however you wanted to call it, the scene. And you can save uh, either characters, items, or even palm trees and bridges on your sticker sheet that you carry around. But you have like a very limited space to, to carry stuff around, so you have to be picky about it. So there's uh, a character that is kind of like your guide on this adventure, uh, where you can just uh, put her like in specific places in the map. And she will give you a little uh, hint on what you should be doing. There's also uh, a raccoon that is causing chaos around the place. And you're kind of like following them around, trying to fix up whatever they've done uh, to make the people, the inhabitants of this place, like either sad or mad or whatever. So it is very charming. I see myself. Uh, buying the full release at full price, whatever that means. And it feels like it's going to be like a shorter adventure, but a fun one at that. So I'm really looking forward to it. And it looks bloody adorable. I've just had a look on Steam. It looks well cute. Almost like what, what Sticker Star wanted to be. Is that fair? Yeah, definitely. Like, it kind of remind me of uh, Sticker Star in a way, but I don't know, it's 
it's cuter and probably fun, uh, more fun. But anyway, sure. Rick, hope so. My third one, and this is probably my least favorite of the ones that I played, and I think this speaks to how high the bar was this next fest, um, is a game called Sword Hero. This is a roguelike adventure. It feels like it's cribbing off the, the vampire survivors sort of formula. You run around and, and you don't really pick a direction to attack. You're just sort of waggling your mouse so that the sword goes around your character. You have a couple of extra bonus moves, but it does feel a little bit run and gun, bullet heli sort of setup. It's all a little bit imprecise. Uh, yes, that, that is the one, Paola. Um, I, I mean, it's fine. I'm trying to work out the surprise Pikachu face. What's, what's the thinking there? Oh, the surprise thing is that the next first is up until the 26th. Yeah, I just saw that. I was like, what the fuck? Because it, they stopped advertising it anywhere. And then I was just looking up the games that you guys were talking about. And I was like, what? It's still there? Because like, even yesterday I came on and they just like stopped putting anything up. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm too late. Go figure. Try the first two I, I'd mentioned. Probably don't try this one. I, I just don't think it's quite there. It feels too imprecise and too sloppy. Though, to be clear for everyone, from this, my perspective, it's it's long done by the time you're hearing this because it's the 26th. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're recording on the 24th, which means Alex has got 48 hours to check some of this stuff out. Yeah, which should I mean? he should he find the time? Yes. Um, the art's nice. It's a really nice mm-hmm. pixel art. It's on a nice metric perspective, which looks great until you fall behind the scenery. Mm-hmm. And then you're just watching silhouettes of your characters, which should happen to me on a couple of occasions, both because of elevation up and also elevation down. Um, yeah, it, I mean, this game screams fine TM, mm-hmm. which not necessarily the, the, the humzinger you want from your demo, uh, but that's all I have to say on that one. What about Ducky's oh. delivery service, Paola? <laughs> I was just, Sorry, I was uh, my brain kind of this out for a little it's bit. It's okay. I know, I know the feelings sometimes. <laughs> I was like, I can help at least with this part. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, so, in Ducky's delivery service is more of an arcade game, in a sense, where you have to fly around the town and deliver uh, pick up uh, packages and deliver them to uh to other house and the thing about it is that first when you first arrive into a town you have to deliver uh, the flyers to advertise your service and in that way you also get a grasp of how the overall layout of the town is which is kind of neat and then it's uh, you get this time uh time minigame thing where you have to be careful not to um, collide with with the walls or the houses or whatever, and try to get the package in one piece to the recipient. So the less collisions you get along the way, the better state will the will the package be, and also you will be able to uh, get more points that way. It was uh, fun. I. I kind of feel like it could get repetitive, but I feel this is even, this is gonna be a short one. Um, again, I don't think I'm gonna play the full release, but I do recommend anyone who likes the uh, more arcade game style of games to give this one a try because it was really fun. Sounds like it does look UFO. fun. It looks like a, 
I was going to say it looks more like a stylish sort of story-based balloon fight type thing. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. But your, I mean, your comparison absolutely holds also. Right. It's just it like... is on a three-star system, which is a little bit closer to the to that. I mean, it's going straight on the wish list. God help the wish list, but it's there. I wonder if that game comes out on on a Switch or something else. I think that'd be really fun handheld. Must and yeah. releases in releases in approximately three weeks. It's twentieth uh, of July. This game comes out, so it's close. It is close. Um, anyway, my my game four of five. Uh, I'm not going to be able to pronounce this well at all. Uh, you her <laughs> knight, Order of the Alchemist. Uh, this That's is a solo devs love letter to the GBA Egovania games. And I'm very here for it. I'm hoping there's polishing to be done because it, it's, it straddles a bit of a line where it, it has the aesthetic and the XP and, and a lot of design cues and visual cues from the Egovania games, but it retains some of the stiffness and rigidity of the OG Castlevania stuff. I don't think the combo quite goes together perfectly, and I hope that they make it a little bit more floaty and a little bit more loose and a little bit um, more forgiving ahead of full release, because yeah. I think that's where the that's where the balance falls. But the, the pixel art's phenomenal. Looks like a um, Game Boy Advance ones. Yeah, this, it looks like this on the GBA. And obviously, there's only one guy doing all Which of the things. Which is not an insult this, to me, by the way, in mind. GBA. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Amen to that. Amen I, I realize for some I, people, it, they might be like, oh, God. But I'm like, no, I love the GBA. <laughs> and, and, one, and one of the cute things in the demo was that there was a, a gallery section. I was like, hang on, what? And I clicked on it, and there's a load of like fan art from the community Discord that they've just put in the demo oh. to share, which I thought was a real classy touch. It was a nice thing to include some of that there. Um, this is one I'll keep an eye on. I think it's too early to say yay or nay on it. My hope is that some polishing up is done, and certainly the the note at the beginning of the game, which I think most of the time is boilerplate, but obviously it's just one guy doing this. The the note on the front says that almost all of it is subject to change. So, but yeah, fair. <laughs> hopefully that hopefully those are some of the changes that make. Yeah, absolutely. But one that I think all of us, in one way or another, would definitely enjoy. If they can stick the landing, uh, Pala, go ahead. Uh, the third game that I play is the Cosmic Wheel Sisterhood, and this is an interesting one because you're a witch that has been uh, cast away in a meteor for two hundred years, and she decides to uh, summon this demon thing, like to to get some powers and. I don't know what her end goal is, but in the end, it's like, hey, I don't have magic here. I kind of want magic back, and I want to do stuff. Because I've been here for 200 years, and I'm going to be here for 800 years more, and I'm not into that. So the thing is, is that their name is Fortuna, and she summons this demon thing called Avramar. I'm butchering it. And... With uh, their powers, uh, you are, instead of using regular tarot cards, you are making your own cards, your own deck of cards, which each card has a sphere, an arcane, and a symbol. And all of, the, all of them have an element attached to them. So as you go through the tutorial, 
you get um, a set amount of points to, uh, from each element to spend on making the cards. The first one is going to be more of an air kind of card. The second is going to be a water card, and the third is going to be a earth card, I think. And it is pretty cool because depending on the element you use to make the card is the effect the card will have during the readings. So each um, element has like meanings attached to it. So depending on, and depending on when you do the readings where you shuffle the deck and you have like one, two or three things to like do your readings on, like for example, hey, I'm gonna do a reading on your past and one on your future and try to, or like, how is the world going to end? And I don't know, what can I do to to prevent that? Things from the game. And in that case, if you um, made a bit too many fire cards for your deck, which are usually um, related to war, destruction, and all those beautiful, beautiful things, Probably your uh, readings are gonna end up being a little grim, <laughs> but the thing is, is that depending on the cards that get drawn during the reading, you will get, and also the reading you, the meaning you decide to give the reading that is usually like one out of two or three options that you're given, is the amount and type of points that you get to make more cards. So it's kind of like, uh, that's the whole gameplay loop. There's also like a section where I wasn't really fond of, where it's more like a backstory for the protagonist. And that one I wasn't quite fond of, maybe because of, I Yes, they're trying to make the protagonist kind of like more on the snarkier side, like she's, um, I guess this character that once something happened in her life, not a single reading uh, has been wrong, but something about her overall backstory and personality comes a little bit generic in a way, though. So kind of like she's more like, and she she does have like her own characteristic, but I feel that she's more like a self insert for the reader, or like the player in this case because there there's more gameplay mechanics here. Um, so I'm I'm kind of like not digging the story sections because she feels kind of, kind of hollow. I don't know I don't know if you you catch my drift. Like, I do prefer having that well-defined character over a more generic one when it comes to, to story-focused games. Um, sure, yeah, and that sure. part was kind of a low, but the overall, like, the, the main gameplay loop, which is creating a card and doing the readings, that was done beautifully. So depending on how, um, how balanced the game is between those two mechanics, like the storytelling versus the gameplay loop, uh, I may or may not get it at launch, but it was kind of fun. And it's worth saying it's Deconstruct Team, so it's the people who made the Red Strings Club, 
which was excellent. So there is some pedigree there. Um, and on the point of pedigree, just before I jump into the last one, um, Tozzyuha Knight is a series. This is the second game I played the demo of. It turns out there is a first game. That first game was in that sort of OG Castlevania mold, i.e. harder, less ah, levels. So that is a factor. They're like literally the old one. The, but but the first one did review really really positively. So maybe maybe one where if that one goes on a nice discount, we go there first. Who I'm super knows? interested to hear your last one here. Yeah. So the the last one, and this is another one with pedigree. Yeah. A game called Stray Gods, the role playing musical. With like every so this video is a, game voice actor on the planet, <laughs> and all of the the, the high profile musicians yeah. involved also. So this is a game that evokes a lot of similarities with The Wolf Among Us. Uh, very similar sort of graphical style. Um, well written, at least in the brief glimpse I've seen. Has a similar focus on role playing and making decisions and choices that shape how your character acts and is perceived. It has a a variation on what cyberpunk did with the three archetypes and you'll have certain dialogue options that will only be available if you're the corresponding archetype hmm. the overarching story seems very very interesting it, it's a fusion of the greek gods and modern day life a bit percy jackson e ish oh i don't think we said the title though this is stray gods the role-playing musical <laughs> oh forgive me I, I thought i had if i didn't it's okay i, I, I did think i tripped you up a little yeah <laughs> it's all good um the music i've only heard one track but as you would expect phenomenally strong my reservation and i don't know that this is going to be fixed because we're very very close to release it doesn't animate it has like static images that oh, it just shifts between I found that quite jarring. I don't think it necessarily conveys very well. Might be a personal preference thing, but I would have much preferred if they'd done something like The Wolf Among Us, where it's a cel-shaded thing on top of either 3D or, or, or moving in some manner animated 2D. I thought it took a lot of sting out of it. I found it slightly distracting, particularly because you haven't got moving mouths uh, you just have subtitles and the voice. It sounds really petty, but in the moment of actually playing it, it's incredibly distracting yeah, from I mean, what, what is otherwise a really, really polished package, it seems. I think, I, like, I, I understand what you're saying. I think I've played a lot of games that do this styling, so I, because I, like, uh, I remember looking at things that doesn't bother me, but um, I can understand why that, that could... Actually, I can't really... I, I can sort of understand why that will, yeah. I expect I'll wait and see how it reviews. Because if it reviews phenomenally, I may well just try and push through it, or I may well wait for a sale and just see how I find it, kind of I, thing. I really think this game is going to like stratosphere. I'm, I'm like pretty fucking confident. I expect a big splash on release. Yeah. For I, sure. I, I sniped this in Fantasy Critic, um, which is why I'm kind of interested in this one because I think <laughs> I and listen, I, I will say one thing: my instincts have been very good. <laughs> um, I have a strong feeling this game is going to surprise the shit out of a lot of people i just don't think there's any game like this at all um and you, you know what i mean but i, I hear what you're That's saying fair. like i think that is something that probably if there's going to be a critique i think that would probably be the thing that people would get on you know what i mean like the not having full animation like i can understand that feeling um i think 
I think I, I know why a little bit. Like, not only being a stylistic choice, but I also imagine budget part of it. for sure. Yeah, because when you think about it, the budget has gone to the music and the voice acting. But then not even just mm. budget, but like also like if it's a role-playing musical, the fact that likely what they are singing can change, right? Um, yes. So I don't think, I think it would actually become even more awkward if they had tried to animate voice at mouths because likely it would be off no matter what. So I think this is probably that in-betweener where I would imagine like you're saying, it's probably going to take a little bit of time to get used to, but I just have a feeling they've probably tested the shit out of it a bunch and this is probably the best way of doing it. But I see what you're saying. And I, I hear the counter argument. It might be that that in a snippet of a demo is more jarring than it is over the course of a game proper. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to wait and see. Yeah. We'll see how we find it. And to what you're saying, I expect that this will land phenomenally well with critics. Yeah. I suspect maybe more of a mixed reaction from players. Oh, yeah, I think so too. Just because musicals are an acquired taste and I can see this game nailing that. But just not being everyone's cup of tea. It it it's a a divisive choice. Oh, hundred percent, yeah. But it is it is a choice, and it's one of those where if that's what you want to do, yeah, by all means, as long as you do it well. So we will see how this goes. I think is is where I land on it. Yeah, ultimately. I might play the demo of it. Actually, I kind of I kind of want to do the demo for this one. So. The demo is worth a play. I think it gives you a good a good view into what this game's doing for yeah. sure. Um. Which leaves us one demo left to go. Take your time, Paula. I'm also excited about. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I saw this just... I was just scrolling to the end of the earth, like on the Steam Next Fest page, and I found Warcraft 2. Warcraft is getting a sequel, and I'm in for, in for it. So mm. the thing about this demo is it didn't have like any story details. They do present you with the protagonist, Daria, and the... Demo includes like a new um new gameplay mode that is called conquest mode, which is kind of like a a little bit of a role like in the sense of you have to you have friends and the the the, the further you get the the better the rewards are and also you get to from what I understood you get to keep your upgrades for the next round too. So, uh, first of all, you, Nadia, the new protagonist, has a flamethrower, a fucking flamethrower, <laughs> and they are, they actually like made made a big deal about it, like in game, and it was so funny, and I love it. Like the if you love the like the the humor and the viral vibe of Wargroove, you're gonna love the Wargroove too, like one hundred percent. And the gameplay is still tight. I don't think they've changed anything, and I don't think they need to change anything about the game. Just give me a new story, new characters, new units, and I'll be a happy camper. So in Conquest Mode, I chose uh, Caesar, that is a little dog from the first one with the two, two archers. And I died in this run. Like, the thing they don't tell you is that. Okay, they tell you that if your commander run, your your commander dies, your run ends, sorry. And what they don't tell you is that the damage between battles carries over. Ooh. And you have like um so for example, okay, you go through a battle and then you go through another battle and then you get like a splitting path where you could uh 
either risk getting a big reward or something bad happening to you. And then you have the other path where you could get um, new units, which I did. And so I recruited a, a bunch of units with the goal that I had won up until that point. Once you visit that place, you cannot go back to that place. So I had to learn that to, uh, uh, like on the hard way. And then I went up until I think the almost the first big boss battle. But the thing is, is that I got ready and did like the kind of like flip a coin uh, kind of like a scenario. Because it was the only path forward, so it was like, okay, I'm gonna do this. And instead of giving the enemy a unit, I went into a battle and lost like two or three units, which, under perspective, I should have just given like the weakest unit and give my the rest of my ar army healthy. And the next battle, I died miserably. But still, I'm pretty surprised on how they managed to. The breathe like new life into Wargrove with this new mode. I'm sure that I'm like I know this is a get day one purchase for me, especially like on the Switch. I'm getting this day one, and I'm probably lose myself in the new conquest mode once I finish the story. And that is it. Those are the demos we've played. Damn! Well, we went from a short one last week to long as fuck one this week. So, <laughs> um, why don't we move on to... How long to beat the game? Uh, Paula, or Rick. Rick, it's your turn. Hey, because it's, it's currently turn. sitting... Rick's at 20 and Paula and I are tied at 15. Um, Damn. So, who knows what'll happen? Perhaps Ooh. we shall catch up. I got swept last week. Yeah, you got, you it's, got an in, it's an interesting one. Uh, uh, it's an interesting one because I've played a game in this series. I'm pretty confident you guys haven't touched anything like it. The game in question, Voice of Cards, The Forsaken Maiden. Oh, Voice of Cards, okay. Yeah, I know this. Oh, yeah. And I so I played the first game in the series. This is the second of the three series games. Yeah, I haven't touched these, but I've definitely been looking at them because I am curious in them because it's cards and I love they're cards. Vi they're visually wonderful. Same. I think from memory, the first one sort of outside its welcome by the end just because they <laughs> we ran into this problem all, all of the conversations we had with it last time. It is just all cards. And when you strip that away, it's a very yeah. by-the-numbers RPG ultimately. A beautiful by the numbers RPG, but nevertheless, I know, right? It's it's cards all the way down. <laughs> it certainly is. Uh, what's the special thing we're doing? That's what I'm having to think about. Oh, right on. I okay. I would like you to tell me the percentage of players you think on how long to beat played this game on PlayStation Four. On PS4. It has a version on PlayStation 4? It does, as well as Switch and PC. But the PS4 is, is the the one that I would like you to give me the percentage of players. All right. Okay. I, the, I just, 
I threw a number out there. I don't know. <laughs> this is a big fucking guess. Okay, I don't let me find else, though, the chat. Well, actually, it is Rick. It is Rick. I might be totally wrong. It's got to be a lot of people who played it on the PS4, right? Because you know the PS4 is a uh, popular console. <laughs> and this Tactics is a super popular here game. In this isn't week's it? episode of How Long to Beat the Game, or did very few people play it because it's such a small uh, game, and you never—I mean, I don't know. <laughs> if I had a whistle and a yellow card, I'd be blowing and brandishing them respectively. <laughs> I feel like someone is trying to whisper. Me or is it middle of the road? <laughs> Here's the good thing, Paula. I have no idea. <laughs> I can't believe it took us this long to try and psych out each other and how long to beat the game. Right? I feel I'm like sure. this has been on. I think we started trying to do that on the on the first place. Did we? I was Before about to we... say it's been on the cards for a while, and then I realized what I was about to do. Oh, oh no! Stop <laughs> it! FYI, Paula, all of Alex's times are in, so we are just waiting on you now. Yeah, I, I just Yay. I just knock these out, man. I'm just like whatever. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> yeah, I'm just doing the cheeky thing and adding like that half hour At this to point, everything. It's a little fun. wild. I feel like I um, well, well. I just kind of uh, we've done this so many times now that I feel like I have like slight innate understandings of certain games. Like I'm just like, oh, this is the kind of game it is. It must be blah blah blah. You know, like yeah, it's kind of wild. It's I have a very useless talent now, which is kind of knowing how long games take to play. <laughs> <laughs> which is so useless because I, mean, I can I just check. I really didn't have it like last <laughs> week because I was off by a lot. You weren't off by uh, that much. It was PS4 though. completions, right? Yeah. Yes, percentage of players who've played this game. Oh, on percentage. PS4. Oh, percentage? Um... Yes. Oh, then I'm probably way off. I thought you said the number of people who played this game. No, I, I let the record show. I said percentage multiple times. Oh, I don't think we ever yeah, got percentage. That's um, why my brain didn't do it. Does that mean, does that, is there anything I should change? Huh. I don't know if that I mean, for what, it's, okay. for what it's worth, it. Alex, your I, number would work as a percentage. I was going to say, I don't know if that actually changes anything. Um... I mean, it does, because if you said this number, but you don't know the total amount of players. All right, well. I'll You've got 10 seconds if you want to change it. I changed it a little bit, but I, I don't. Yeah, all right. There we go. Whatever. This is okay. A guess anyway. We're locked. Everything yeah. is locked. All so, right. main story time. Alex has said 18. Palace said 17 and a half. The actual time is 18 and a half. So ah! Alex takes first blood. Wait. It is 18? No, and 18 and a half. half. And Alex said eight. Okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. You're half out. Fuck you, Paula. That's what you're dead. I was nervous. For main, for main plus, Paula says 23 and a half. Alex says 25. The actual time is zero minutes and 24 hours paula just oh, takes nice. it yeah so the, the the half did help you in that one Ish. Ish. oh no it did because otherwise and then and then for 100 percent, paula says 30 hours 30 minutes alex says 33 hours which is bang on the money Ooh. so two two oh, one for alex 
going into the last portion of this. I don't feel very confident about so, the last portion, but let's see. <laughs> technically, this game is also available on PS5, but so few people played it there that it doesn't even factor in the percentages. Oh, wow. Um, Switch is the most played at 42%. That makes sense. Followed closely by PC on 36%. For PlayStation's percentage, Alex says 15 Paula says 20 how long to beat says 19. Oh, wow. Okay. Which so means Paula sweeps that two points out at the end. Nice. Good job, Paula. Which and means... takes this week's installment three points to two. It's not bad. I can't complain. Um, yeah. So it's a shame these games aren't mobile. I feel like they'd be perfect games to play on a mobile screen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Probably. I hate mobile. And they are, they are touch enabled <laughs> on Switch. So, like, it's there. Wow. But you know they'd want £35 per... I bet you anything, anyway. if it was more successful, they probably would have done that. But You say that, though, but Paranormal Site got a port, and there's no way that that was more successful than the Voice of Cards games. No chance. Yeah. Zero. Nada. Zilch. <laughs> Who knows, then? Who knows how they make these decisions? Maybe it was easier to port or something? It's uh, They put it into ChatGPT, and ChatGPT said, release an NFT and also don't put it on mobile. <sighs> Wouldn't surprise me, honestly. No, me neither. I said it and I was like, I'm making this up, am I? Yeah, I'm like, I guess you're making that up, but don't put it past them. On that note. Yeah, that's it for this week. Um, We'll see you next week. Uh, Goodbye. Sayonara.